everyone, and welcome to the Omega Metroid Podcast. My name is Andy Spateri, and I am joined by a very special guest this week. Uh, one of my colleagues from Zelda Dungeon, one of the lead copy editors of the site, editor-in-chief of Boss Rush Games, host of Nintendo Pal Block. Man, this guy's got more on his resume than you can shake a stick at. David Lasby. David, how you doing? I'm good. I'm excited to be here. Thanks, Andy. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been a pleasure. Um, as a peek behind the curtains... Uh, so Dakota is still away on holidays this week, so we needed someone to uh, to fill in. And uh, as a peek behind the curtains, David was a big alien, or I shouldn't say was, is a big alien fan and uh, is just now starting to get into Metroid. Uh, so it's really kind of like the perfect blend and the perfect mix and the perfect time for you to finally come on the Omega Metroid podcast. How, tell, us, tell us about your journey into Metroid really quick. Yeah, you know, I've been a lifelong science fiction fan. I, I grew up in the 80s, um, 80s and 90s. And so watching the Aliens films as a kid was like, that just created my love of all things science fiction and, you know, played Nintendo my whole life, but uh, relatively recently got into Metroid. Um, it's one of the few Nintendo franchises that I haven't taken a deep dive. And with Dread coming out, I, I just realized like it's time. And, and of course, uh, since diving in pretty deep with uh, Zero Mission and Samus Returns, I've I've just really learned that it's it's pretty much everything I love about science fiction and games. So I'm I'm pretty excited. Yeah, I, th- I think that it worked out pretty cool because I was looking for someone that I knew was a big fan of the Alien franchise, and then I I, I guess that kind of indirectly led to uh, to Metroid because it almost started off as homework, right? Yeah, it really did. You know, I, I, you talked about, you know, hey, here's a chance to talk about, uh, you know, the Aliens franchise. And I was like, all right, I was already kind of tinkering around with Metroid, but it's like time to sell my soul a little bit, <laughs> just like all consuming uh, me for these past few weeks here. And um, it's been such a fun deep dive and um, I, I'm really glad I, I have. So I, I feel fully converted. <laughs> That's what we love to hear. All right, well, we are back with uh, an Inspired by Metroid game, and it's our first Inspired by Metroid in, God, forever. And uh, we took a break on that for for good reason. Obviously, Metroid Dread was announced. And uh, as a matter of fact, there was a new trailer that came out for Metroid Dread as part of the Dread Report, uh, the fourth Dread Report, which we will do a deep dive into next week. But, man, just really quickly, that trailer was like, ooh. That gave me some feels. You had, uh, I'm presuming what's a flashback of the SAX in there, which is very pertinent to today. Uh, you just had all the Chozo stuff. God, it, it, it looked so good. Um, man, October can't come quick enough. Mm. I, I was excited about that and, and uh, couldn't help but notice Nintendo's trends of heroes with glowing hands. So, Yeah, right? I guess Pretty we'll excited see about what that. that is, uh, what that's all about. Um, all right, well, let's get into... The inspired by Metroid game that we are here to talk about today, Alien Isolation. And I feel like um, it's very apropos that we are talking about Alien, uh, the game on the Metroid podcast, because I'm a big Alien fan. I've always been. Obviously, Metroid really was inspired by Alien in in so many ways from the, the science fiction aesthetic to the way that the Metroids kind of evolved, similar to a Xenomorph, to the way... I mean, God, Ridley, named after Ridley Scott, like, the connection is always strong. And actually, when we started the podcast, it was always our intention to eventually do a deep dive into the the first movie, Alien, uh, the one that really got it uh, kicked off back in 1981. So it's 
it's very apropos. Like I said, that when um, when they make this big triple A alien game, that they model it after the the 3D granite, but the Metroidvania genre, which mm-hmm. is it's just like it's funny how that works because like Metroid is inspired by Alien, and now this game was inspired by Metroid, so it's kind of a nice uh, circle. Um, so I I've always been a huge Alien fan. I especially Alien One, like the first one, I really love. I actually really love Covenant to Prometheus too. I know that a lot of people don't, but I'm a big fan of those. I know that you you're probably the biggest Alien fan that I know, Dave. Uh, when when <laughs> did you get into this series? <laughs> so you know when I was really young, probably way too young to watch the films, if I'm being honest. But my you know my dad would let me watch them anyway because I just was so into that kind of thing. And um, so you know probably like seven or eight years old, I, I I started watching all the Aliens films, and it just completely captured my imagination. Um, this you know the way the storytelling was so in-depth and, and, you know, some of the things that I like about the Metroid franchise with the sort of atmospheric environmental storytelling, um, the films really do that as well. And it, it just really gives you this sense of being part of a larger world. And, um, you know, it also coincided with my love of video games. You know, there's been so many great aliens games over the years. And I, and I do think alien isolation is, is probably one of the best one. And it's funny, you talk about, you know, Metroid franchise being influenced by Alien and then vice versa. Um, I love that reciprocal relationship. And I think mm-hmm. both are examples of, you know, films and video games being great art. You know, sometimes <laughs> snooty academics kind of look at look down on those mediums. And I think both both these franchises do such a great job and show what's really possible in these mediums. So I, I, I love it. I mean, yeah, man, like the the amount of of influence and the just really goes beyond like kind of the the obvious like naming the character Ridley um you know how the Metroids evolve it's it was that like I'll never forget the first time I watched Alien that sense of dread how about that the sense of yeah. dread uh, <laughs> like that was that was like so prevalent throughout the whole thing you had this this unstoppable force that was stalking you and you know we actually we were going to um I've been playing Alien Isolation for, like, the better part of... God, it's got to be, like, three months now. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> we were going to talk about this a lot earlier, and then, of course, Dread wasn't... Metroid Dread was announced. And I feel like it's even more topical and even more pertinent to talk about Alien Isolation now, knowing what we know about the upcoming Metroid Dread than it was <laughs> back three months ago. But I actually... I want to talk about um, about that right away at the at the top of the show here, because I think when you play alien isolation like the thing i mean there's there's a lot of things that remind me of a metroid game but like the thing i think that just is so strong it comes through so much is like the the atmosphere of this game like that that's really the thing to me that like really kind of makes a metroid game like i'll never forget landing on in super metroid for the first time like there was such an atmosphere like it was almost a character of itself and i feel like that's really kind of like like the same thing in this game like you come into the ship and like you you know that something's not right the ship um the ship looks incredible by the way but it's all like graffitied and like it's it's just in tatters and you know that at any second things could go really really wrong there's just this like air of danger in the air and i i think that this game just does such a such a phenomenal job of like keeping you on your toes and just that that tension and that dread and it never really lets up until you finish the game at the end and arguably even into the credits so like 
Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's it's such a well constructed atmosphere, a well constructed sense of like tension, dread, everything in between. That I think that that more than anything else is what really gave me like the Metroid uh, vibes in this game. Yeah, absolutely. I I couldn't agree more with what you said. It, you know, so many games have kind of throwaway effects, whether it's, you know, the the flashing lights or things like that to sort of create this tension for the player. But one of the things that Alien Isolation does well that, that that's so similar to Metroid games is that environmental storytelling. So right away, uh, when you land on the station, right, on Sevastopol, you notice that the graffiti that you mentioned is telling a story, warning, warning about the worker Joe androids or Marshall Waits and his sort of corrupt... Um, you know, authoritarian rule on the station, right? And so you you find yourself sort of paying attention to the environment to to learn the story and to know what's going on. And, you know, I feel the same way when I play Metroid games, watching the change in the landscape as, Mm -hmm. you know, the the Metroids sort of uh, take over uh, or even just, you know, wondering, you know, what's going on as I go deeper into the depths. Um, So, you know, that, that certainly jumps out to me. And then the other thing you mentioned, this sense of dread, you know, so many horror survival horror games, which Alien Isolation is, um, rely on these sort of cheap jump scare tactics, right? And, you know, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that if people like that. But the way Alien Isolation builds this sustained sense of dread that just builds throughout the game where you always feel like you have to be looking over your shoulder it builds this terror that other games fail to achieve because it's not relying on these cheap tricks. It's just this constant tension of always having to be vigilant and it builds so masterfully to the game's conclusion. So I love that. Yeah. And I think like actually what you said right there also feeds into, it's almost like a cycle where like what you said feeds into the fact that like you have to really take your time and go slow and like you have to constantly survey your environment and like make sure that there's nothing around the corner or there's nothing Mm -hmm. hiding in the shadows and like the slower you go the more you absorb the more terrifying it gets and then the more (laughs) terrified you are you have to go slower and make sure that nothing's gonna get you it's it's just like a really great cycle that this game achieves and it's like it's such a uh you know you could you could almost say it's exhausting sometimes because like you're like oh my god like i gotta be my head is on a swivel i I can't decide if I should run as fast as I can or if I should take like 20 minutes to cross a single hallway. So I think (laughs) this game does like a really good job of kind of balancing those elements and creating that unique atmosphere that like, like I kept on coming back to um, kind of some of some Metroid fusion, but a lot of super Metroid, like when you land Mm. in, uh, in Zebus for the first time and like, there's that rain and there's that ambiance to me, that's like, that's the atmosphere. And that's what this game does. Uh, so so well and also like i i wasn't necessarily um i wouldn't say that the music was like a standout point in this game for me but i will say that the way that they use music it especially when the alien itself is close and like it really just like mm-hmm. ramps up is is quite masterful it's very uh it, it's very dreadful yeah you know that's funny that music didn't stand out for you in this game because i i would say the back half of the game for me the music played a big part in the tension the 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 like change when you know not not trying to give too many spoilers here but you know the space station as so often happens in in alien stories has a crisis right and and there's fires everywhere and and you're running from from the creature and 
the the way the music builds and you know sort of crescendos uh, to me made the tension at some points like almost unbearable like <laughs> i will fully yeah. own like going and hiding in a locker just to catch my breath for a minute <laughs> because before i could like do the next part because it's just it's it's so awesome yeah, like even when there's nothing around, actually, sometimes I would just go into the locker just to like <laughs> chill out, just to breathe. And even then, yep. like you don't feel completely safe, but you feel more safe than maybe you would just kind of out and about. But right. like, I, I wonder if like when I played it, because I I actually played in like, like I said, I, I played over the course of like three months. So I kind of played in like half hour or hour um, bursts because mm-hmm. that's all that's all I could handle at one time because it's like. The atmosphere is so heavy and it weighs you down so much that like uh to play it for longer i was just like i was literally sweating sitting in my basement oh me too (laughs) so yeah i I wonder if like the music it it almost like um it almost becomes an invisible part of the dread that you feel and like i'm i think that the music was quite good it's just like i think that i was so focused on staying alive and whatnot that it's it's almost like you don't notice it but it's it's there it's like it's subliminal you know what i mean yeah, for sure. I, I definitely think, and and that's something that Metroid games do, you know, really well, as well, right? That the music creating the uh, you know the emotional tension, you know, in complement to the environment and the and the visuals that you're doing. Um, and, and another thing that this game does really well, speaking of environmental kind of sounds and stuff like that, and it's something that I wish and I hope and that I think Metroid is going to incorporate in the future. But like, they they really do a good job of like having um, like sounds in the background, people talking, or like if you, mm-hmm. if you find a, a, let's say a recording or something like that, you can hear the recording out loud. And I'm hoping that, you know, as, as great as it is, let's say in Metroid prime, finding all the chosen lore and stuff like that, it would be nice if you could just listen to it and you could keep moving. And I've, I've talked about this before in fusion, especially, but like, um, I, I just love that you can like, play the sounds and you can learn a little bit more about the story but you can keep moving while you're doing it and it you know it's also risky to do that as well because that's yeah tracks the alien so i i think that it's like a really well put together idea and like something that i hope that metroid kind of adopts in the, in the future for sure i i was thinking that too you know it's particularly with the game like dread you know i i'll never forget the first time i was listening to the nostromo flight recorder and all of a sudden the alien just speared its tail through me and that was the end of me and i was like wait what (laughs) like i thought it was okay you know on this little like audio menu and I, i i was like okay i guess i guess that's why they let you listen while you're moving um, so, you know, yeah, in terms of that feeling that you're never safe and you, and you got to keep on alert, I, I think it's a great gameplay mechanic. It's, it's very like risk reward. Cause you obviously want to learn about the story, but like, you also don't want to get impaled by the right. animals. So <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's done really well. Um, I actually, I want to talk about the Xenomorph itself here. And so mm-hmm. for anybody that has not played Alien Isolation and doesn't know the general premise of the game, it is this. You are on uh, a spaceship where things have really gotten out of control. There are Worker Joe androids on the spaceship, and they have turned against you. Um, The rest of the humans that are on the spaceship have kind of formed, like, packs or um, gangs, if you will, in order to survive and are obviously very hostile towards everyone that they don't know. But by far the biggest threat aboard the station is the alien and the alien will stalk you and it is 
there are certain times where there is a certain scenario where you have to get past him but for the most part it's a lot of like uh it's a it's a highly powered ai behind the alien and he will follow you he'll follow sounds he'll follow noises and stuff like that and he just stalks you relentlessly throughout this game and it's like incredibly incredibly terrifying because he's so <laughs> big and physically imposing and just like they they did such a good job making this alien look like just this force of nature and mm-hmm. you you can never damage it i mean you can hit it with a flamethrower and he'll go away for a minute but like you really got to make the most of those seconds after you hit him with the flamethrower because he's coming right back it's, and he's angry at that point is, so oh yeah he's he's not happy if you hit him with the flames uh in fact <laughs> when you hit him with the flames he can still damage you pretty pretty decently right i've actually i've died hitting him with the flamethrower before um but yeah it, it's just he's stalking you and it's just this relentless pursuit of this enemy that is basically unstoppable and the uh, it just reminded me so much of when I was watching the Metroid Dread trailer. I really think that's what they were trying to get across with the Emmys is like the same mm-hmm. sense of like, here is this unstoppable force that is trying to get you. Although I would even argue that the alien is far more terrifying than what we've seen so far of the Emmys. But I mean, they just, man, they really sell this alien as like this, uh, like just force at this yeah. force that is never going to give up. It's terrifying. Yeah, and there's there's all kinds of um, I think really exciting modifications you can do too, which I love that you know the the game production company included. So you can turn the difficulty up uh, all the way up to what what amounts to very hard or nightmare mode, um, where the artificial intelligence of the xenomorph is just crazy. So you you know if you're under if you're hiding underneath a desk, which is normally a pretty safe space on normal um it will actually get down and crawl under the desk and drag you out or if you're hiding in a locker there's a button that you can push to hold your breath um and if you don't hold your breath it'll hear you and rip the locker open um and actually you know if you have your xbox connect which i know is like outdated technology but if you have it hooked up and play on an xbox one um you can actually have a feature where the connect will listen for sounds in the room and so if you breathe too loud or make yeah the the xenomorph will hear you and go and kill your character which is just like i mean i'm already like sweating um i couldn't even imagine playing like that but you know so uh, i love the variability there and I do wonder with the Emmys, you know, will there be any opportunity for players who want more of a challenge to actually increase that AI a little bit um, so that you always have it at this appropriate level of terror for you as a player, which I I think I would really enjoy that. Yeah, I think I would too. And I think that it's probably safe to say that we'll see, you know, some different difficulty tiers. I I couldn't even imagine playing Alien Isolation on Nightmare. (laughs) I, I couldn't even imagine. Like, I died so much in this game i actually that's almost a critique of mine is that you die mm. so often that it it kills the momentum in certain aspects or it's just kind of defeating where it's like ugh, like yeah I, I don't i just did this and i don't really want to do it again but on the flip side when you complete something and you make it to where you need to go it's an incredibly <laughs> satisfying feeling but when yeah, you hear the, the little the, save booth you, you oh, just run God. to it <laughs> So for anyone that doesn't know, there's these little telephone booths, basically, and they're safe stations. You can hear them beeping, like, beep, 
beep. Yeah. And like whenever I hear, I literally hightail as fast as I can. I've, <laughs> I've saved while I've had work Joes chasing me before. Oh gosh. Like, when I died, I could spawn there and hopefully they're not on my tail. Which right. actually, which worked. But I mean, like the alien is just so incredibly intense. I mean, obviously the design of the of the xenomorph is like maybe one of the most iconic movie creature designs of all time. If there's if there is another one that's more iconic, I can't think of it. Um, so I mean, it obviously had that already going for it. But yep. the way that they just like adapted that into this game and like made it in motion, I, I just thought was like so impressive uh, the graphics in this game are obviously like off the charts which is crazy because this game came out like seven years ago and it still looks yeah. awesome it really holds up well really really holds up well he looks awesome yeah and you know there it they do a good job too of making the cutscenes feel pretty seamless with the gameplay so it never really like takes you out of the terror that you feel um, and, you know, for, for people that don't know, the Xenomorph, you know, can go anywhere. So if you're hiding in an air vent, you could be crawling along thinking you're relatively safe and it'll be just <laughs> hanging out in the air vents. Or, uh, if you walk below, you know, in a normal walkway, you got to always be keeping an eye out for just a little bit of drool coming down from the air vents. Cause it'll snatch you up and pull you into the vents or, you know, yeah. so you're never really safe. Um, and you know, like Andy mentioned, you know, your weapons, I remember when I got a shotgun and I thought, okay, you know, I've got like a decent, you know, weapon here. I, I watched the second film aliens. I saw how quickly the bugs go down. Right. Well, no, not the case in alien isolation. The thing is, you know, truly impervious and much more akin to what we saw in the first film, uh, which is great. I love that because, you know, it really forces you to try and use your wits to outsmart this creature uh, because you're not going to take it down with combat. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up, actually. Uh, so I I love Alien. I think Aliens is really good, but it's, it's just like it's not the same for me. And I think that's because they devalued the Zeno a little bit like mm -hmm. he there were so many of them and they were defeated relatively easily right like compared to the first film where like this this thing just felt like an insurmountable threat whereas in aliens um you know you had the team with higher power weaponry that was able to to combat them a little bit more and obviously you had the queen metro or queen metroid <laughs> the queen alien at the end uh which was like your big bad and i guess a natural progression because you know you you want to get bigger with every movie but to me like the the first movie was was always like the the real one that stood out to me just because of the mm -hmm. way that they treated this alien with respect and I, and I really think it shows like in this game how the the developers like really gravitated towards that because there's never really there's never really more than one alien i think at one point there might be two but there's never there's always like one alien and there's never any other like major major threats on that level there are threats but you can combat them but the alien is always just like out of reach so i really love that they kind of did the the same thing that they did in the first alien movie in this game i, I think that it, this like translates really well oh for sure and you know I, I love what james cameron added in the second film in terms of the lore um you know and i think that lore you know certainly you talked about that reciprocal relationship of influencing games like metroid and i i think that you know, certainly defined video game genres for the next few decades. I mean, how many times have we seen people imitate space Marines? Um, but I feel like there could have been a way 
uh, to keep the respect for the you know the xenomorph without you know just making it essentially a bug hunt. Um, yeah. So I, I totally hear that gripe, but you know, in terms of the game, I, I will say there is one part where, or one or two parts where there's more than one threat on the level, but I love how they handle it. Um, I don't know if you, you know, because uh, there's yeah. so many options, but um, you can, you can like throw noisemakers, you know, in where the humans are and rather than taking them out and let, you know, the Zeno do the work for you. And I, I love that sort of problem solving, you know, incorporate the threat into how you choose to solve a situation. I, I love that. I love it too. I was gonna bring that up actually. It's like I, it's such like a great um, and that particular that particular example that you brought up. I remember being on one part of the ship, and there was a group of humans, and I had tried to make it through, and they just they were gunning me down like left and right, and I was like, mm-hmm. okay, risk reward. What do I think <laughs> is more deadly? Summoning basically summoning the alien and hiding in a locker and hoping to God that he doesn't hear me breathing, or trying to get past these guys. So. I tried it by throwing the noisemaker, and the alien did. He took out all of those guys, and uh, I think he got me once, but then the next time I tried it, I made it through, and I felt like, oh, I was just patting myself on the back. I was like, good job, Andy. You, you really it feels good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, okay, here's a random question for you, because we're talking about aliens and alien. Mm-hmm. Do you like Alien versus Predator, like for what it is? You know, if I just accept it that it's, it's going to be garbage storytelling and, you know, whatever. I, I, it's funny that you bring it up because uh, I, my son is now old enough. We've been watching the films uh, together and we, we've watched the Alien vs. Predator movies. And separately, I love both franchises and I love the comics, actually, for, for AVP. Uh, the films are hot garbage. I know they are. And yet I'm such a sucker for anything <laughs> Aliens related that I will still watch it, you know. so. I agree. I, we we watched that for uh, virtual theater, uh, my other podcast about video game movies and stories that shape them. And I was just like, this is like so cheesy, but I I kind of love it actually. Obviously, yep. aliens are way better than predators, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, the the alien in Alien Isolation is just like God. It, it's I can't put it over enough. Like how much of a of a factor into this game success. I think that it is also because like, it's never that far away. You always have this noise yep. or this detector that, that, you know, detects motion. And it's, it's very nerve wracking because you, you go to rely on that and then you pull it out and like, Hey, the aliens close by again, he's never that far. So it's just that, that constant dread that man, like, it just yeah. it gets you. And it can hear your motion tracker. Right. So there's like that, yeah. like, do I risk pulling it out? And, and hopefully, like, getting some info I can use or <laughs> do I, you know, just it's not worth it, right? Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't – are we – I think you know the part that I'm thinking of, that there's this shocking development. I, I was – I would love to talk about what, that. We, we can just go – we can go into spoilers here uh, okay. if you want. So if, you, if you're listening, spoilers. We'll, we'll try and not be, like, completely egregious, but we, we're going to talk about – especially in uh, – in you know the latter parts when we get into the story specifically we're going to talk about the story okay all right yeah so hopefully if anybody that was trying to avoid spoilers they've they've skipped forward but you know there's this moment where you go down into the core of the sevastopol station and you find that there's actually a hive there right and so mm-hmm. one of the things that you know you talk about how terrifying the xenomorph is all game there's this moment where it's like oh there's not just one there's actually hundreds just like crawling around and and of course like you said you never really have to face more than one 
you know, at a given time in terms of gameplay. But just the the job that they did creating this terror all game long, and then all of a sudden you find yourself in a hive. You know, it, first of all, it's brilliant storytelling. It's awesome for gameplay, and it actually it made me think about what could have been possible for a film like Aliens, the second film, uh, had it been done a little differently. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, it's funny that you bring that part up, actually, because I you haven't made it to Metroid Fusion on your Metroid journey yet, right? Not yet. All right, so maybe maybe plug your ears for the next 10 seconds for what i'm okay. about to say all right it's a spoiler <laughs> but the moment that you go to the alien hive and you find out that's akin to the moment that you find out metroid fusion that there are 10 saxs running around the bsl so it is incredibly terrifying to learn that while you've been dealing with this one singular threat this whole game and barely making it alive there is like a whole lot more right behind the corner so it, it does a, a fantastic job of that um I want to talk about Metroid Fusion actually just for a quick second because for mm -hmm. years and years and years, uh, the Metroid community really used Alien Isolation as like the the blueprint for how they would want Metroid Fusion to be remade if ever it was to be remade. With the idea being that the SAX would be a substitute for the Xenomorph. And the SAX, of course, is um, an alien parasite that has copied Samus with her full powers and full abilities and you are very much weak and not at full strength in, in Metroid Fusion. Mm -hmm. And so the idea being that, like, you know, we I would I've heard Metroid fans say I would love to have the SAX with the same type of AI ability as the Xenomorph from Alien Isolation. And, you know, I mean playing this game, I'd heard that for a long time. Playing it, I gotta agree, that would be awesome. Like it it would it would be very, very tense. And I think that there are some, you know, Metroid Fusion creates some scenarios where it is incredibly tense and you have to escape the SAX. But I think that if if you traded that in for the overall dread of of this game, I think that that could actually be like something something really special if they ever went that route. Would you and would you want that in a full 3D remake? Oh, I think for a 3D remake would be would be awesome. I I, I don't think that uh I don't think they'd ever remake Fusion as a full 3D remake. I could see them doing something maybe akin to like 2.5D, but mm -hmm. just like and I and I think that Metroid Dread might just be this remake that we think that we want with Fusion where like the Emmys kind of serve as your substitute instead of the SAX because obviously, you know, we saw in the Dread report in the trailer, we saw a glimpse of the SAX. We don't know if that was a flashback or not. Right. But obviously that's going to have some influence <laughs> on the events of Dread. And, you know, the developers have stated that SAX was such a huge influence on Metroid Dread anyways. So I think that a lot of the stuff that fans for a long time said that they wanted to see in a Metroid Fusion remake might just be in Metroid Dread anyways. But, sure. I mean, man, can you imagine, like, just uh, just walking around and, and here, and instead of the Xenomorph popping out, it's the SAX, and it's got, like, the ice beam, and, man, that's, like, oof, that's scary. Yeah. You know, and it's awesome because it's such a good example of less being more sometimes, right? That you don't have to have, you know, a million threats on screen or throwing all this stuff at players. If you have one sort of insurmountable object that you have to be really clever and on your game to figure out how to outsmart or outmaneuver, um, that's just as compelling gameplay to me. Uh, yeah, I agree. The The thought that there is just this unstoppable force and you've you've got nothing to contend with it is it's just like so 
oof, it's it's scary. It creates that atmosphere, I think, more than anything else could. So um, that would are be you, very cool if they ever did that in Metroid Fusion, a remake. Are you typically a fan of stealth missions? Yeah, I think so. I, I love Metal Gear Solid. I like mm-hmm. the, the Part and Zero mission where you have your uh, your Zero suit on. So yeah, I, I like stealth gameplay. Yeah, I mean, it just there it does have certain kind of overlaps with that. I mean, it's obviously, it's not quite the same as stealth missions, but, you know, just that idea of having to, you know, be clever to get by, not just blasting. I mean, I love, I love the shooting aspect of Metroid games and sort of that classic sci-fi feel, but, um, you know, adding that extra element of... Um, you know, using your intellect as well as your blaster, you know, that that's uh, yeah. something that I enjoy. Yeah, and, and I'm sure that that's going to be a big part of Metroid Dread because I think, you know, very, very, very early on in that game, we saw in the Treehouse footage, you get the the Phantom Cloak, which is a, an item that mm-hmm. camouflages you. So, yeah, I think that they're really going to lean on that, which is why I was just like, man, Alien Isolation seems like more topical to Metroid than maybe ever before. Um, but we've talked about the alien here. I want to quickly go over some of the other threats on board because it's not just the alien although he's definitely the big bad (laughs) worker joe's dude holy cow these things are creepy they're almost as creepy as the alien they've got their like lifeless eyes and bald heads um they look very much like the engineers from prometheus it's they uh, do they're creepy yeah, and when you have to cut the power sometimes to get by certain parts or you, you turn on you know some vents to create some fog to allow you to sneak by, the worker Joe's eyes have this really oh. eerie glow. Yeah. <laughs> it's just terrifying. And they they talk to you in such a calm way, you know, sort of informing you that they're going to have to kill you now because you've broken the rules or you're not allowed to be in a certain area and um, and yet they have this these sort of bursts of violence. You see them uh, take out some human players who you know are in the wrong place at the wrong time, and it's it's shocking how violent they can be. Sort of you know throwing humans into walls until they die, and it, it they you know they do a good job of creating that terror in something different than the xenomorph. Um, and there's a part in the game, probably about halfway through, where you are led to believe that you've eliminated the xenomorph which is actually like a godsend because i feel like you can only take so much tension for so long but they replace it with all the worker joes that have went crazy and that was actually one of my favorite parts because i felt a little bit lighter knowing Mm -hmm. that at least the zeno wasn't on my tail for right now but i mean i probably died as many times to maybe not as many but i died a lot to the worker joes they're very like a very different kind of threat and um i i feel like they're more like they have more of a distinct set pattern than the xenomorph yep. does and you're able to like defeat them with weaponry but like at a at a great cost because weaponry is so scarce so i i thought that they were like a really good substitute in the middle part of the game for like the alien and it was it was nice to have like that change of pace for sure. And they have varying levels of difficulty as well. You know, so you get kind of used to throwing an EMP grenade at them or using your shotgun or whatever. And then you find that there are some worker Joes who have put on a rubber suit that makes them, you know, impervious oh. to your ways of dealing with them prior, right? So you have to adapt. There are two scenarios where the worker Joes really, I was just like, oh my God. The first <laughs> is, um, you know, Everybody listening to this knows the feeling where you get to a room and like there is all kinds of ammo. Oh yeah, all the ammo that you need, and it's just like okay, <laughs> what is gonna happen? <laughs> something is going down. Yeah, 
and I think you have to you have to face off with like ten worker Joes or something like that that are all on fire. <laughs> Very that was that was intense. And then yeah, when you are in um, the the core of Apollo, Apollo by the way is the main AI that runs the space station. But you have to go into the core of Apollo, and then there are some rooms with like you can you can trigger the electrified floors and stuff. That that was also just like super super intense. One of my favorite parts of the game. For sure, yeah. It it created a new kind of terror and eeriness about it, and you know, um, it, it felt very different from what you experience with the Xenomorph, um, and yet in some ways, like just as compelling and gripping. I think so. Yeah, I I love that uh, that Apollo room. By the way, that was one of my favorite sections of the game, just because like, it looked so cool. With, like one room, one server room was like this awesome blue the other one was awesome orange it looked like something right out of blade runner which was like incredible i that was a wicked part of the game i thought lots of notes of of blade runner and so many um sort of loving nods to the original alien film uh when when you sort of talking to mother right (laughs) yeah yeah that I, i that was one of my favorite portions of the game actually by the way i if i'm not mistaken is there any has there ever been like a good blade runner video game Oh gosh, not one that I can think of. I'm sure somebody listening, you know, maybe maybe knows, but I, I can't think of one. That's criminal. Like, yeah, that, that's <laughs> that's criminal. That this series, I I, I just did some uh, some fact checking here. So there is a point and click adventure released oh, in boy. 1997, <laughs> and that looks like it's it's the only one. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong, because I would love to play a Blade Runner video game, um, but. Let's uh, let's talk about the humans here for a quick sec too, because they are also a threat on the station. And mm-hmm. on one hand, I always felt like super bad whenever I had to take a human out, um, because because like you've got this other threat, these androids, this alien, and like you feel like you want to stick together, but like the way that they, uh, I don't know, like the tribalism of all these guys that mm-hmm. like band together is, is also kind of terrifying too, because it, and it, but it's terrifying in a different real world way for me, because it's like. This is probably what would happen if something like this ever happened where, like, they go nuts and, you know, are, are shooting people they don't know. Totally. I, I, I mean, there's so much, you know, obviously it's not the focus of the podcast here, but, you know, the Alien franchise is not short on social commentary. And, I, you know, it's such a good, compelling monster story, right, that people often miss their critique of sort of human behavior, uh, space capitalism, if you will, and uh, you use the word tribalism, and I think that's really true. You you want to band together. It's like, oh my goodness, there's so many ways to die on Sebastopol. Like, we shouldn't yeah, we be don't fighting need to fight each other, right? And yet, you know, more often than not, sort of human nature wins out, and you get double crossed, or or people don't trust you, and um, you know, ultimately, in in the Alien franchise, the the real monster is is humanity right it, you know the, the xenomorph is just doing what it's it's been you know designed to do right um but you know human beings you know there's all sorts of you know lines in the in the first two alien films about uh you know at least they don't uh you know some words i can't use on the podcast uh, stab each other in the <laughs> back right you know yeah yeah it's uh it's it's too bad like i always felt like whenever i would have to I never shot a human, obviously, because I didn't want the alien to hear, but also just because, like, I don't know. I felt like if I was clubbing him to death, maybe they'd still be alive. I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> um, 
Also, like, you find out kind of, I think, later in the game, they're they're not, like, obviously an, an overarching part of the big story, but, like, you do find out uh, about the Wayland uh, yutani Corporation, and, like, yeah. they're, they're kind of the ones that really set everything in in motion here um and i guess we might as actually we'll wait to talk about the story here but basically they purchased the the ship like right before the game's events and they are much like in the film alien everyone is expendable to the cost of getting the alien back so it's uh kind of a, a familiar story in some ways where yeah i mean you nailed it like the the humans are the problem and i and i love that yep. about this this franchise yeah, you know, I I couldn't help but notice, you know, the the similarities in storytelling with Waylon Yutani wanting a bioweapon and and the behavior of the Federation and um, you know, this sense totally, of totally, you, you yeah. want to trust but then do they really have your best interest in mind? Yeah, I mean, you you literally pretty much the same thing happened on the BSL where the Galactic Federation, they want the SAX and everything else is secondary. So Lots and lots and lots of different parallels to be drawn here. So that's a great observation. Um, I want to talk about items really quick before we talk about the mm-hmm. story here. Um, a key part of uh, any good Metroidvania is having cool items. And I feel like this game has lots of cool items that you can come back to and open up uh, secret areas or locked areas and get extra, I wouldn't call them power-ups, but at least bullets or something like that, something to help you along your way. Um, cool items here. The the Ion Torch, I thought, is, uh, is a favorite of mine because even though using it, is like so nerve wracking to me because like it's so loud and it's so clunky <laughs> and I'm just like oh my god like I I, I have to be faster. Um, I think that the uh, what is it like the the wrench club or whatever it is I can't remember the name. Yeah. That, oh gosh, I didn't write that great. one down. But yeah, you bust through door locks and then yeah. crank them open. Whack people with it as well <laughs> uh, is is good. And then uh, I don't know if you've ever played the Arkham games or not, but there's the the code hacker that you get in this game really reminds me of the thing that Batman uses in the Arkham games to like mm-hmm. bust open locks and stuff like that. So that, that stuck out to me, especially because we had, we've covered Batman Arkham Asylum on Inspired by Metroid before. So that was cool. Although using it was like super, super tense. I remember your, uh, when you first get it, you have to go and hack an elevator door and the oh, alien God. is yeah. like prowling around <laughs> in this big room. It was like, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God, go, go, go. <laughs> And then, of course, you mess up because you're yeah. overthinking it. So, yeah, good stuff. You know, it's funny. I, I, I played the original Arkham Asylum, and I had completely forgotten about that until this moment, that you, the, the, the hacking tool, the security access tuner. And, um, of course, in Alien Isolation, as the game goes on, the, the little hacking puzzles that you need to do get more complicated and take even longer <laughs> as the mm-hmm. stakes are even higher. Um, so that tension is great. Um, and I, I love what you said too about the the hacking or not the hacking kit, but the ion torch. Um, you definitely, you know, I, I like to try in hundred percent games. I, Alien Isolation was too hard to hundred percent for me, but um, I liked going back and trying to get all the the video and audio logs. Um, and so going back to some of those earlier areas in the game with the tools or items that you get later was definitely a good reward um, and and kind of seeing areas of the map that you wouldn't have been able to access before. And so that's, of course, very Metroid. Yep, yep. Um, very it, that reciprocal relationship. It's just very apropos. I, I kind of love it. Um, yeah, I guess uh, I, I will say that I wasn't really a fan of crafting in this game. Um, mm. Not because, not because like you... Um, 
you know to pause to do it and you could die while you do while you do it i think that that's actually fine but like i would have loved to like if i went to click on like um some health for example if i just had all the necessary components to just be able to click like l1 right away and it fuses instead of like having to go and like select all that different stuff so i, I wasn't really a fan of that and like i don't know if if you feel the same way but i feel like i went throughout the entire game and i was always finding bins and like containers and stuff like that and it always had the stuff that i already had and it never had the stuff that i needed like ever like i think i made like i crafted one emp mine the entire game and i mm. could never find the parts for it and like it's not like you can carry very much either so even when you would have like a, a fully loaded uh inventory you could make like three like health vials at most and then you're then you're out of luck again but yeah i feel like i was just like always finding stuff that i didn't need or that i already had and you can't really stockpile it so i was just like ah you know walking around this fascicle most of the time yeah you know i i had a similar problem and what it made me wonder is if the game was trying to get me to use stuff that i wasn't using like if there were other ways to you know navigate past certain challenges that i needed to change my gameplay style um so you know i never really got to that point <laughs> i ended up just not getting the loot but um it it did make me think that there are lots of ways to accomplish your goals in, in alien isolation and one thing i will say in defense of that you know mechanic uh you know we we both love zelda games but <laughs> like it's just sort of a, a wink and a nod that Link can carry all this stuff in his pockets, right? I mean, yeah. it's an absurd, you know. And so for the realism, I, I kind of like that. Yeah, I only get three health packs and, you know, I need to be careful how I use them. And it it, it definitely kept me in this element of being in the game and, and feeling like I personally was trying to survive this crisis. And I know I didn't I didn't play it on nightmare mode longer than just uh you know a fun trying it out because it was just too insane for me but um I know that all of the places that you get uh items like in drawers and things like that they just basically stop giving you loot on um you know nightmare mode so I, I think I wonder if it's on easy if you would get more of those items you need I I bet you I god I can't imagine playing on nightmare mode that would just be <laughs> oh my god uh, but yeah, I, I actually think that that's probably true about, um, you know, getting supplies you need and them thinking that you're using flashbangs, for example. Mm -hmm. um, like I, I went throughout the game. I don't think I used a single flashbang because I never really saw like the right scenario or the right opportunity to use it. Whereas like occasionally I would use Molotov cocktails. Occasionally I would use EMP mines, but not very often. But uh, I, I bet you that that's actually probably true, that maybe they intended you to use, like, items such as flashbangs or, or, you know, something else or flares or whatever a little bit more than maybe that we ended up using them. But um, that's a minor critique. I have another critique, but I'll save that for the end. I want to talk about the story, actually. And I thought that the story, for what it was, was actually pretty cool. Um, I think that Amanda Ripley was, like, a, a really great, likable character. Voice acting was really great. Uh, to me, like, it just, it felt pretty much like you were just playing as Ellen Ripley. Like, they were very, very, mm -hmm. very similar. Did you get that same kind of vibe? For sure. I mean, it, 
it was recreating a lot of what people love about the original film. And, you know, there's some even some sort of bonus uh, content, downloadable content where you can uh, play as Ripley if you want, uh, Ellen Ripley. Um, for me, the thing that I liked about the story of being Ripley's daughter, though, the first two films, when kind of taken in a whole, um, deal with Ripley's desire to be a mother and losing her daughter because, you know, of course, she's away for so many years and her daughter gets old and dies, right? And in the second film, in Aliens, her interactions with Newt and saving Newt are really about her sort of fulfilling this painful loss in her life of, of not being a mother and not being there for her daughter, but she's there for Newt. Right. So right. for alien isolation, it kind of flips that on the, its head. And now we're Amanda Ripley trying to find out what happened to her mother. And I, I really liked the symmetry of that. That sold me right away. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I, yeah. Just to be clear, when I say that Amanda is a lot like Ellen, that's, that's like a compliment because I, for sure. I think everybody, I don't know anybody that doesn't love the character of Ellen Ripley, and I'm certainly not one of them. I think she's great and really inspired Samus in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I, I thought that that was, that was cool. It was like an easy-to-understand, relatable story about why Amanda would put herself in kind of this precarious situation because she wants to know what happened to her mother. And I think that the payoff was was actually pretty good. Uh, the supporting cast, I thought, was, was, like pretty, was pretty good, too. I think that they're... Obviously, Amanda was the show or the star of the show, but I, I think that you had like people like um, like Samuels. I thought mm-hmm. was really good, and it kind of going back to like uh, a theme in the first two Alien films, where like, can we trust AIs? Can we not trust AIs? How much does Samuels know? How much is like it, just that that kind of uh, dichotomy? I thought was was really good, and then you you kind of get like the nice feel good moment where you you find out that like okay. Samuels is on our side and he's going to help us and he's going to do the right thing. I thought that the scene where he like beats the the tar out of that one guy or that one yeah. worker Joe was awesome. <laughs> that, that, that shocking. scene where he's like in the, uh, in the core of Apollo. I thought that was great. That was good stuff. So Samuels is probably the other standout character for me. For sure. The only other one that I, I thought was kind of a compelling character was Marshall Waits deputy Ricardo who, I, yeah, yeah, he, he kind of pushes back on Waits' authoritarianism a little bit, and of course he he meets with an unfortunate end. Um, oh, that but was I, so I, sad, by the way. Yeah, I yeah. Was, come, I was pulling for Ricardo, but wasn't. Yeah, funny. but and a good example of environmental storytelling too, right? Because we're not really. It's I don't think we're given a, a full explanation. We just come and see him sitting in that chair, and it's just sort of like okay. He, he has he has the face hugger on his on his face, and he's right. Like, well, obviously we're not, we know what that means. By the way, we actually skipped over the face huggers. They use them to like very limited effect in this game, but like, mm-hmm. oof, you gotta be, you gotta be on your toes when uh, you see those alien nests around. Cause man, oh. those things can take you out real, real quick. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that Ricardo was uh, very good, very likable, very relatable actually when mm-hmm. like, he's the only survivor of, uh, of that entire crew, the marshals. And like he, he kind of looks like he's in La La Land for a little bit and then snaps out of it and then kind of gets it together and helps you. So yeah, he was good. Yeah, and he even makes a mistake at one point, right? Like there's this plot to to sort of quarantine the alien in a room and and he accidentally lets it out trying to help you, right? Yeah, poor guy. Uh, <laughs> but I'm, I mean, I guess I'm glad he did because that would have been uh, yeah. half the game it was. <laughs> right. Um, I thought that, uh, um, God, his name is escaping me. Um Markov. 
Oh, oh, he right. Was good too. Yeah, Markov was good. Just uh, kind of like a very, kind of a very uh, minor character, but the he was like the captain of the ship that found. Oh, um, uh, Henry Marlowe. Henry Marlowe. Yeah, the Nisadora yeah, captain. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. He he was good. He was good. Um, not not a whole lot to him, but I, I thought that the exchanges that he had with uh, with you while he was like kind of sitting in prison were were kind of cool. Did you enjoy uh, going back to the Nostromo? I mean, not to the Nostromo, uh, to the derelict spaceship. Um, so actually, I wrote that down on my list of things to bring up. I don't. I think I like the idea of it, but that was it was a very slow segment, and yeah. it, it it just you moved really slow, and um, it was a little bit. It, I mean, first of all, it was nice to have a break from the tension of the game for sure. <laughs> it was, but uh, it, it was just it was a little bit too slow. If you could move at normal speed, I think that would have helped that segment a lot. I agree. I think they were really going for recreating what it must have been like going through that storm uh, on the planet, but I think that it was unnecessarily clunky. I agree. And actually, I would say the same thing about um, in the latter parts when you have to put on the spacesuit and go out and um, Mm -hmm. like get the coordinates for for the ship to come and rescue you. That that was also... It's just like it just takes a little bit too long. And like, I I get it. Like, you're you're walking in space. Like, obviously, you're not going to be, you know, running a marathon, but... You know, uh, particularly, I think, for that scene in when you're in a spacesuit later, mm-hmm. Alien Isolation is a long game. So it's like at that point, you're like, man, I kind of want to like, like, I want to <laughs> wrap this up. You know, the only thing that I will say in defense of that is, you know, there's some moments when you're in a spacesuit where you do see some some xenomorph presence and it makes it that much more terrifying that you can't move well. And now whether that makes the whole slow process worth it, I don't know if that is true, but um, I did appreciate what they were trying to do there. I, I think for me, um, that scene in the uh, original Derelict Spaceship, I think that that might have just worked better as a cutscene Because I think that mm-hmm. like what was happening was cool, and I wanted to see it. I just didn't really want to play it, you know? I Agreed. Um, but yeah, let's... Here's, I want to talk about, I think, the coolest part of the game. And you mentioned it earlier. When you get to the reactor core and you find the alien hive, holy oh. cow. <laughs> that was, that was alien. Like, that was gameplay. I was, that was awesome. That, that's part of it. We're like, God, going into that infested area and seeing, first of all, you think you've eliminated the alien at this point, And now right. there is another one. And it's like, oh my God. And not only is there that, there's face huggers. There's alien eggs. It's super, super, like deflating. It's like, oh my god, I'm not. Done. It's demoralizing. <laughs> yeah, I think like the there's worker Joes coming at you as you're trying to activate the core. There's like this this segment, I think had everything. This was like mm-hmm. such an awesome like part of the game. I actually think that this should have been the end of the game, um, but it, but it wasn't, which we'll get to in a little bit. But yeah. I thought that this was like. I thought this segment was like so good and so impactful and so scary. Uh, fantastic, fantastic part of the game. You know, I I was late playing this game. You know, it had been out three or four years by the time I got to play it. And so I had always just thought of the game as, you know, that one game that's more like Alien than Aliens. So there's just a single alien. And so, you know, when you get down there and you open the doors and you see the hive sort of webbing, 
I mean, I was so demoralized. I remember I literally set my controller down and just put my hands in my head. And I was like, no, no way. Like, this cannot be. And of course, you know, your motion tracker just goes nuts, right? You see dots everywhere. And it's just like, I spent this whole game trying to outsmart and beat one xenomorph. How am I going to deal with the hive? It's it's horrifying. And I think that like, the logical assumption that anyone would make is like, oh god, there's an alien queen in here somewhere, and right. like, I'm gonna have to fight this thing. And actually, I think that it's smart that you don't have to do that because they keep the alien strong, and like that threat is still the threat. And they totally don't agree. Value the alien. So, oh my god, walking into that, I was, uh, it's just like, oh my god, <laughs> and it it looks gross, and it looks just it's so so alien uh it, that that was just such a good scene I, I don't even have the words for it but it was it was so so good and like it's again it was another good mix of like i have to be careful and you reach that point where it's like i'm running as fast as i can i'm just gonna run face hugger yeah <laughs> yeah it's like i'm get me to that safe station and then whatever happens after that i'll deal with you know yeah, it's that was, oh well it's funny too you talk about how gross and horrifying it looked and it that moment really just made me realize oh, what could have been with Aliens, the film? Because, you know, and I love the film for what it is, and I love the action and adventure and all the lore it adds, but the way I found myself horrified by the Hive um, rather than like, oh, cool, you know, what what's this story, yeah, you know, thing? Yeah. I, it's like, wow, I wonder what that would have felt like on the big screen. Uh, yeah, you, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, I totally agree with that, actually. Like, this... Because, yeah, you're right. I remember watching Aliens. It's like, oh, okay, there's a million aliens. Whereas, like, in this one, it's just like, oh, my God, there's a million aliens. <laughs> there's I'm, a million aliens. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. So such a big difference in the approach and buildup to that. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. That was awesome. Um, yeah, it's a great scene. I loved after when you're when you're going and activating the reactor and, like, you have all these worker Joes coming at you and you have that awesome nail gun, which, by the way, took me a, it took me a second to realize how that nail gun actually worked. I charging like, it. I got it, and I was like, I fired it once, and it was like, Poof. and then yep. the worker Joe clubbed me to death, and I was like, no, this thing sucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> oh man, I got I got killed so many times in that spot, and yeah, and like what with charging it, if you miss at all, then you're just oh. it, it's over, right? Yeah, that so that was just oh my god, that was an intense that was an intense scene. <laughs> I, I thought that scene was like so so good. It was so good that. And this is my big critique of this game. And I feel... So I didn't look at any reviews of Alien Isolation until after I had beaten it. And actually, I feel like this critique was fairly common. But it, I think the game, for what this type of game is, was too long. And it should have mm -hmm. ended at that reactor moment. Um, but it doesn't. You continue on. And, like, you... Like, that moment was so... Like, it, it was so intense. It was such a... Just a... a, a burst of emotions and like horror dread excitement uh you know victory once you get the the reactor to detach um that the rest of it i feel like uh was was kind of a little bit flat almost because you you come down from that and then you know you have to uh you get some great scenes with like some of the characters in in the game and like that's cool but like for me, it was just like that was like the peak, and then coming down from that, everything else was like I was ready for it to be over with mm -hmm. after that after that scene, and I think it went on a little bit too long, and I feel like I saw a lot of people 
uh, comment in a similar manner. Oh, I mean, also because, like, this type of game, like, we've been talking about the atmosphere, the dread, the tension, like, that takes its toll on you. Like, you can only take so it does. much of that before it's like, man, I gotta, like, I, gotta I take a break for this to be done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so I, I agree that the game could have been shorter. Being such a sucker for anything Aliens, I was happy to keep playing. I, I think where my issue with the game being so long comes into play is the reward that the ending gave versus the amount of time it took to get there was disappointing. I was not satisfied by the final sort of cutscene of the game. I, I, I felt like... Having put in so much time in that game, we were owed a little bit better ending than the one we got, or it should have just ended at the reactor. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and I think maybe that maybe that in hindsight is informing why I feel like the game should have ended at the reactor. Because, because that's like a moment where it's like, that's a definitive, like that's a victory. Like you right. have, you've gotten rid of something and, and the end is kind of you know it is what not it is a, a victory <laughs> yeah, yeah it's it's sort of just like i immediately went and looked up like what is you know is there more what <laughs> what what yeah. happened here and and that was very dissatisfying for me and you know maybe that's maybe that's my fault because it's a survival horror game and we already know you know sort of the outcome if, if you know the films right like you know ripley never meets her daughter you know so like i mean i don't know what i was hoping for but i was disappointed yeah, it, it like it's just a cliffhanger, and it's, I don't know. I, yeah, it, it feels like, it feels like there should have been an Alien Isolation two or like a continuation of this story or something. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really look like that ever is going to come to pass. I think they made some comics or something like that that was kind of like a sequel to Alien Isolation. But like, I yeah, I feel like we were owed a little bit, a little bit more, like or some kind of like victory or yep, I don't know, some some kind of like good feeling to end on and instead we got <laughs> amanda floating in space and I, and I think that they kind of insinuate that a ship finds her at the end but do, it, do it you think nice to feel like some some happiness right well and i'm curious what you think about who found her because uh, for me and I, I there's debate about this but i feel like it had to be Waylon yutani coming to check on their station because we were told that that Waylon yutani was on its way and if it is Waylon Yutani that got her, that she's gonna have a horrible ending. Like it's not gonna go well for her. That that was kind of my impression too. Was that uh, Waylon Yutani was the one who found her? Like I feel like they're the only ones that could have found her at that point. Um, there, and then there was... not only that, but like that sets up a really wicked sequel. Where like now right? you're on this Waylon Yutani <laughs> ship, and like they're probably going to get the aliens. So like you have a, a completely new adventure to go on. Yeah, I was I was disappointed that we never got any indication of more more story, more games because it was such a big hit, and you know I I would love that. And you know there is speculation online that it's some sort of rescue vessel, but I and I can't remember the justification why, but there's at least a decent case. But yeah, in my mind it's Wayland Yutani because that's just how aliens. And I mean I think about the third Alien film, and you know there's no happy ending for for Ripley. So yeah, I I, I you know this is. Again, this is very much like Metroid, where, like, this game was, I think, quality-wise, was, like, fantastic. And then, for whatever reason, maybe it's because it's niche sci-fi, but, like, I think Sega had said that sales were softer than they anticipated and that they didn't warrant a sequel. And it's like, God, I've been hearing the same thing from, <laughs> from Metroid for, like, 35 years now. So, <laughs> oh, uh, I, I have um, two, let's see, 
I have two more critiques, minor critiques of this game that I want to talk about before we get on out of here. And uh, I'm curious to see if you agree with me or not. You had mentioned earlier about the, the hacker and um, mm-hmm. all the puzzles and stuff that you need to do. I was actually kind of annoyed at like the latter parts of the game where with all like the gimmicks that you had to do to like get ship parts doing stuff like you have to like move circles and line them up and then you have to like put code in and and match like doohickeys and like there's like all these different gimmicks that you needed to to do with like no real like clue as to how to do any of them and it was just like for me, it was just kind of like, oh, okay, whatever. Now it's now I got to move the circle to the, the <laughs> middle of the screen or whatever. Like, it certainly wasn't a uh, a make or break deal, but it was just like, I was like, oh, all right, let's let's do this. Let's do this one now. Well, you know, I do have a couple of thoughts on that. So first of all, for me, one of the reasons that it took me so long to get into Metroid is it, you know, because of the various points in my life that I played Metroid. You know, going all the way back to when I was a kid. Um, I could never figure out what to do. <laughs> like it wasn't until I was an adult gamer with so much experience that it was like, oh, okay, I can totally figure out how to get through this. So uh, for me, that that and I'm sure list, people listening might disagree, but that felt very Metroid to me of just like, okay, you kind of just got to figure it out. Um, the other thing that I would say about that is, um, you know, I, I don't know how to hack computers. So like having to kind of figure it out as I go and like try to solve it. I imagine, you know, that Amanda Ripley probably wouldn't just know how to do everything. So that element of having to figure it out a little bit while there's the tension that you could be killed at any time. Um, I, I didn't really mind that. I mean, yes, in the moment I was really irritated because I was like, come on, like I need to do this so I don't get impaled. But um, you know, that's kind of my thoughts of from a developmental perspective, whether I'm okay with it or not. I actually found that most of the, like the silly, like gimmicks that I'm, I, I think that most of them took place when you were relatively safe. I, I'm talking like in particular at the end when you're trying to get the, uh, oh God, what's the ship that's coming to rescue you? The, um, uh, the Torrens? Yes. Yes. The Torrens. And you're trying to like align your coordinates with them or, or whatever. And you're... Mm-hmm you've just gotten in from outer space and like you're doing uh like all these different gimmicks in the in the cockpit or whatever i mean it was it was okay it was just like for me I was that part like, that one specific part you're talking about with aligning the dishes that that one did kind of annoy me yeah yeah that and that again that's probably just because like that's one of the more recent ones that i can think of i actually yeah. think like during in game when like you have a threat on your tail using the hacker was actually fine and was and mm-hmm. it was actually pretty fun but i have one more critique I don't know, I'm not going to say it was bad, but I think that the map could have been improved a little bit. I think that uh, a good Metroidvania, any good Metroidvania, has a really good and easy to navigate map. And I feel like the map was good, but I, I just, I feel like it could have been better maybe. And I and I don't know really how, maybe they could have color-coded it a little bit more. So like, you clearly and distinctly knew, like what area we're in, what area connects to what. Uh, I know that that probably sounds dumb, like color coding, but I think that the, they could have done something, I think, to differentiate the different areas a little bit more. I, I completely agree with that. Um, you know, in, in Metroid, you know, like if you get a secret area, right, I think like in Zero Mission, they're green, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. You know, it would have been helpful to have something like that. I, I found myself um, frustrated by using the map uh, repeatedly in Alien Isolation that it wasn't always clear where I was supposed to go or where I had been or what connected to what. Um, and so 
that was frustrating. Now, um, again, I think uh, if you play on nightmare mode, I think there's no map at all, which is just ridiculous. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know. What? Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy, you know. So I, I guess then they're really just asking you to rely on memorizing your surroundings, right? Um, and it, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the original Metroid not have a map and then Zero Mission added it? Is, is that right? The, the original and yeah. Metroid 2 both do not have maps, which right. is... And people hand hand drew maps, right? That's just kind of what you did. I mean, I did the same thing for Zelda growing up, playing you know Zelda one and two. But um, asking someone to sort of draw a three dimensional map is a little bit <laughs> bigger of an ask to me. Oh, totally. It's it's so much harder because then you're talking like different levels and different. There's lots yeah. of different stuff. It's <laughs> I'm not an 3D, architect. Three <laughs> D maps are like hard to do. Like I think even the Metroid yeah. Prime maps sometimes are a little bit hard to follow. Um, but this, yeah, this one was, I feel like, uh, kind of hard to figure out where, where you were sometimes and what connects to what. And, like, if you were in another area and needed to get to, like, the medical bay or something like that, it was mm-hmm. it was hard to figure out which route you needed. Actually, I had a heck of a time getting back to the Marshall office because I forgot how to get me there. Too. My map wasn't super helpful to me. I, I had to look that one up because I was getting so frustrated and not able to get back. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, ironically, what actually I think does 3D maps pretty well is the Zelda series. I, yeah, I would agree with that. Because, like, the Zelda series is more like a 2D map, but it's separated by floor. By almost. floors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Alien Isolation kind of sort of does that, but I, I don't think that they do it as gracefully. Agreed. So that that's my only other uh, critique of this game. But, I mean, yeah, like, what a... This is a great experience, I feel like. If you're a Metroid fan... Um, it, chances are, if you're a Metroid fan, you're probably an Alien fan anyways. And uh, if you're a Metroid fan and you're not an Alien fan, I think that you'll really like this game. Imagine the Alien as the SAX in a Metroid Fusion remake and what what could have been or what maybe still could be. And uh, I think that I would like completely highly recommend this game to any Metroid fan. I know that some people don't really care for 3D Metroidvanias as opposed to like 2D Metroidvanias, but I, I think that this is up there with like probably one of the best that we've covered on inspired by metroid so far and david i know that you love it i absolutely love it it's it's probably one of my top five all-time favorite video games wow yeah i i love okay. it that way which granted it gets a bump from my love of the aliens universe so well, i think that that's fair <laughs> yeah if, if they ever made a blade runner game that bad boy would be my top <laughs> 10 for sure uh, i'm gonna go try and find that point and click game from 1997 oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> Uh, apparently it still holds up. Kotaku wrote an article about it I, when I was looking for it, and they say that it it's pretty cool. So maybe, uh, oh maybe my I'll goodness. be surprised. <laughs> um, David, thank you so much for joining me, talking Alien, talking Metroid. Tell everybody where they can check you out over on uh, the internet. Yeah, you can find me at David Lasby on Twitter. So that's David L-A-S-B-Y on Twitter. And, of course, on ZeldaDungeon.net. And also you can check out my site at BossRush.net. There you go. Lots of... Uh, Lots of cool content from this guy. If you're not familiar with some of David's work, you can check him out. He does, I mean, my goodness, he does Metroid, he does Zelda, he does uh, even some even some work on um, mental health and stuff like that as well. That's on, right. Uh, on the Mighty. On the Mighty. So, yep. Yeah. Very cool stuff. Thank you again for joining me. Uh, I love talking Alien, and if we ever get to the episode where we got where we do the the first movie, we'll definitely have you on. Because, oh my goodness uh, I yes that that's that's like <laughs> peanut butter and jelly right there but we are out of time uh thank you guys for listening and checking out this inspired by metroid episode on alien isolation uh be sure 
to check us out over on Twitter at Omega Metroid Pod. I am at Spateri316. As mentioned, David is at David Laspie. And we are over on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Go like and subscribe. Tell that Metroid fan in your life where they can get their weekly Metroid fix. And check us out over on Discord. We have uh, a lot of cool cats over in there talking Metroid every day. So make sure that you are one of them and come hang out with us. Until next week, everybody. Take care. Thank you.